Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Hello and welcome to Long Toss, episode 220 here on The Walk-Off. I'm Scott Belford, normally joined by, as all of you are aware, the best co-host in the biz. No slander to you, Jordy, uh, Adam Mack. And he unfortunately had to bail today because he is out being the best dad in the biz. Uh, he's His daughter's hockey season has started, so he is out there at her hockey camp. Uh, we do have a couple other guests joining us midway through this thing. Now, normally we do this live on YouTube, as you're all aware. I know that you like to follow along and comment along, and apologies that that is not uh, going to happen tonight. However, uh, we will be back up and live next week, so you can join us then on YouTube from 6 to 8 Eastern. Lots to talk about today. And I'm I'm a little bit excited about having you two on the show here because it is going to give this a little bit uh, different of a feel because normally we're, we're super all in on the blue Jays, but a couple of our guests here and, and this fits in perfect for timing wise, because the walk-off has expanded. We are now going to run the walk-off Mariners as well. Juan Forno, of course, moved from Calgary to Seattle a couple years back and uh, is joining the walk-off team. So Juan, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Uh, why don't you let the good people know where they can find the brand new? I think you guys just laid down one episode, right? Yeah, yeah. So super excited to be a part of the walk-off team. I love that we're growing it internally amongst the comedian community. Yes. Uh, keep, keeping it in the family. Uh, yeah, walk-off Mariners edition uh on youtube uh first episode came out last sunday uh we got some things to clean up for sure uh on the back end of things but uh yeah we're excited to be a part of the team and excited to see uh where this is gonna lead for us um expanding well, past the blue Jays. it's it's pretty great because the one thing about canada is that basically there's two teams people follow which is the toronto blue jays obviously and then a ton of people in british columbia grew up cheering for the Seattle Mariners, Western Canada in general, you know, especially uh, for all of us old baseball people who got to watch Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, when they were in their formative years. So uh, glad to have you there. And honestly, guys, Jordy, welcome to the show here. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, buddy. And let me tell you, the Mariners and the Blue Jays, it's a great time to have these as the focal points for this show because a lot of playoff implications for both teams around what's happening in the standings. Uh, Jordy, to start with, buddy, welcome to the show. Great hat, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Picked it up in Seattle, so I was excited about that one. Uh, it's got, I'm not a fan of the material in the bill, though. It's got like cardboard or something, so. Wish I would have known that before because I'm a very sweaty dude. So it's got to be formed at all times. It looks <laughs> great. Okay, so uh, we're going to call that the intro here, folks. Everyone who is cursing us out right now on YouTube being like, my God, they've taken a long time to get into this. Let's start things off. Uh, we are going to break down this Blue Jays and Red Sox series. And my God, 
What a nail biter of a series it was. Uh, The wild, wild AL West. My God, the division you boys are playing in has been insane the last couple of months. And so we're going to break that down. Uh, We're going to talk about options that are remaining for for players who can can join the team, listen, there's a, always those guys that get yo-yoed up and down every single year. I know on the Toronto Blue Jays, Jay Jackson in the bullpen and Bowden Francis have both are at their, their max amount that they can be sent down. So next time they come up, they're going to need to, if they're going to send them down again, put them out on waivers. So I'll ask you boys about who those yo-yo guys have been with the Mariners and just if these guys uh, have done a good job on both teams, we will talk the AL wild card race, obviously, and Shohei's locker. This empty <laughs> locker of his. I've never heard a bigger deal made out of an empty locker in my life, but uh, we'll get into it. Unfortunately, it does look like he's going to be shut down for the rest of the season. Does he have it in him to win the MVP missing the almost final three weeks of the season? Uh, we'll get into it. So, boys, I know you're Mariners fans. Obviously, you're paying attention to what has been going on with the Toronto Blue Jays. They get swept by the Texas Rangers. And coming to Bo- uh, Boston comes to Toronto and spirits are low. Listen, the Blue Jays Achilles heel all year long has been the American League East. They're going to they're tied with the Seattle Mariners, but because the Mariners have a much better record within their division, they have the tiebreaker if things end at that way. And at the end of the season, uh, the Texas Rangers have the tiebreaker on the Toronto Blue Jays. So they go into Boston or uh, Boston comes into Toronto. I should say the Jays win three, nothing in the first game. They go to 13 innings. And despite many opportunities for the Red Sox to bury the hatchet in the Blue Jays uh, chances at a sweep there, they refuse to do it. The Blue Jays manage to tough one out there. They win again today, bottom of the ninth walk off win. This is a sweep for the Toronto Blue Jays. Very exciting for the Blue Jays fan base. Yeah, I think that was the worst thing uh, that could have happened for us Mariners folks was the Blue Jays going and sweeping the Red Sox after, you know, I, I that that might have been a pivotal moment or a pivotal series in, in your guys' playoff hopes because after dropping four to Texas, you know, that, that could have been it. You lose two out of three to Boston, you know, and the Dodgers don't play the way the Dodgers are playing, it could, it could get a little tricky. It could be a little bit dicey for you guys. Listen to the math on this one. Jordy, this blows my mind when you start breaking it down. So for the the playoff implications, the way it worked out, literally the Mariners, it looks like they're going to get swept here by the Dodgers. The Texas Rangers just got swept by Cleveland. Houston took one of three against Kansas City and the Blue Jays swept the Boston Red Sox. If you start breaking down the probability of things falling that way, it is something like 0.01% chance. Like everything fell the Blue Jays way. Literally everything fell the Blue Jays way. And when you look at what's going on in this, in this wildcard race, Jordy, let's go to you here, bud. Do you think there's any possibility that things are going to be decided before the last series of the year? Because it sure doesn't feel like it right now. 
No, absolutely not. It is definitely coming down to that last series because we've got two more series against Texas. We've got another one against Houston, which we've been playing really well against Houston this year, which is pretty new for anyone who's <laughs> remembered when Houston first got into the division. But yeah, no, we're finishing the season against Texas. So it's only appropriate that it will probably come down to that one. Uh, we got lots more against them. And yeah, it's it's been really weird too, which you were mentioning with the week, because the beginning of the week, it was so optimistic for the Mariners. We were taking two or three against the Angels, watched the Jays get swept, and then the weekend, just everything flipped. So it's like I, it's like the teams are trying to make it as interesting as possible. I think that this little collab that we're doing right now is good for all fan bases involved in this race. Because as a Jays fan, we've been losing our minds day in and day out, riding the wave of we're not in the playoffs. We're done for the season. Oh, we're in. We've got a chance. Holy shit. We're going to run away with it. Oh, a four game sweep. We're screwed. So I just wish everyone to know um, my buddy Ian is a huge Rangers fan. Okay. And he texted me after, after the sweep of the Jays. And he was like, I can't believe the Rangers just pulled that off. And I was a little surprised because I was waiting for him to rub it in my face the whole series. He never said anything. He never brought up anything. And I was like, buddy, you should be so much more happy than that. You almost buried us. And he went, he, his, his response was literally no joy, no nothing. He was like, oh, this thing's far from over. And I didn't understand because I was just like, man, like you just swept the team that is head to head with you for the final spot. And he was like, dude, you just haven't watched the Rangers for the last 20 games. This team <laughs> sucks, right? So it's like every fan base feels that way. So if you want can touch on a little bit, the fact that the, the one commonality between the Blue Jays and the Mariners this year is uh, if either of these teams scored, this wouldn't even be a playoff race right now. Man, it's infuriating, um, especially like for the Mariners going back to that Monday game this week um, in extra innings, you know, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, nobody out, can't push one run across the board. You know, you can do so many things to get that runner from third base. Um, and that's a different series. You know, a team with the state that the Angels are in taking two out of three is expected. Three out of three, you know, is I don't even think Four. hopeful. It, it should have been, you know, the way it went and it didn't. And um you know, it, it for me, it's that little details that lead to losses that separate a uh, fringe playoff team from a championship team. And uh, the Mariners got to clean that up because it's it's a dogfight for those three final, or I guess those three wildcard spots, right? Because it's going to be Tampa Bay or Baltimore at the top. These three teams are not going to catch whoever wins that first wildcard spot, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, and then that leaves that leaves two spots for three teams, you know, um, we're going to see what happens. But, you know, if you want to be one of those teams, whether it's the Jays, Rangers, uh, Houston, Seattle, you got to you got to clean up those mistakes. You got to beat the bad teams at this time of the year. Um, and when you get an opportunity to win, um, you got to capitalize on it. So, yeah, I feel the Jays pain. Um, we're going through it now with the Dodgers. So. It's, it's been a tough two weeks for us. I watched that whole Dodgers-Mariners game last night. And, buddy, I was just the whole time, like, it goes into extra innings and it's 0-0. And I'm like, this is the most Blue Jays game I've watched in, <laughs> like, 
it just feels like it's only the Jays that get snake bit like that. And so it is kind of nice to see other teams also struggle with scoring. And that has been kind of a problem with the Seattle Mariners, but uh, the Teoscar Hernandez trade, I mean, Jordy, are you feeling better about that now that he's on this (laughs) heater? Oh, I, when it first happened, I was excited. And then for about three months of the year, I'm like, this is not, good <laughs> i was i was in the wagon that they should trade him away at the deadline i thought he was gone and then kept him and he is just on a tear I'm completely flipped my opinion of the trade in the last since august anyway i am i feel like watching him right now i feel like that's like such a, a blue jays thing like if you look like the streakiness of their hitters you look at a guy like tay oscar you look like at a guy like uh, lord of guriel uh what he did in arizona this year it's mm-hmm. like either he's the best offensive player in the entire freaking league or, or he's like leading he the league in before. strikeouts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's yeah. no in-between, man. We can't find some commonality. And then at the end of the year, the numbers don't look so bad. And I mean, this is one of the big things that the Jays were trying to rectify. And I think that's why they moved on from Teoscar and moved on from Lourdes was to try and find some sort of semblance of consistency. But that's one thing that this Jays team has lacked all year is the offensive power they had in 2022 and especially 2021. And I think a lot of it just stems from trying to be consistent in a sport that is based on inconsistencies is almost fruitless, right? Like, because I honestly, I thought it looked good on paper, but man, they're missing those home runs. Like they are really missing those Teoscar bombs. Yeah, man, it makes a difference. I know we've gone back and forth endlessly when it comes to, you know, roster construction and what you want to, you know, hammer home, whether it's the offense, the defense, the relief pitching, you know. There's only so much money and there's only so many uh, players that you can go out and get. And, you know, Blue Jays tried to, you know, scale back the power and and go more on the defensive side of things. And And, and, and and they succeeded in that. It's just the run drop is uh, eye-popping. (laughs) too too drastic (laughs) too drastic okay so let's talk a little bit about this uh boston series and just superstitions in general i know that juan you played the game for many years there was a moment in the eighth inning of this jays boston game and i don't know if you boys caught it but danny jansen was literally talking to George Springer's bat. You could just see him whispering to the bat and everyone was laughing and joking about it. And then Springer comes up and he grabs the bat and they kind of nod at each other and he runs out and you can literally hear Springer going, all right, let's go bat. And then he gets a a single right out of the gate, right? Like first, first pitch right away, gets a single. And the whole team's like, Danny did it. The, the bat whisperer. Have you ever had a moment like that at just playing the game? Like just guys being goofy and something actually works. And now some dude's literally whispering to every bat. <laughs> yeah, we did a thing. I'll never forget it. We did something like that where uh, I, I think we were 14, 15. It was the first year that the dogs moved out to Okotoks um, out that way. And we were the young kids. So we were playing about, we were 14 years old. We we're playing a bunch against 17, 18 year olds. There was another team in our organization that was the older players ahead of us. And I'll never forget the only time we beat them is uh, when we warmed up before the game, we did an in and out in and out is like basically when you're, you know, taking ground balls, throwing to first base, fly balls, plays at home, all that stuff to just go warmed up. And I remember we did an in and out without a baseball 
And so we were all making diving plays, picking the ball at first. <laughs> I catched a paw fly as a catcher over the dugout. Um, and it infuriated our older uh, team in the organization. And then that was the only time we beat them. The only time we beat them. <laughs> so, um, And the coaches, the coaches theory was uh, we were too tense. You know, we were putting too much pressure on ourselves as 14 year old kids uh, with these high expectations in this new immaculate stadium that nobody at 14 years old has any business playing in. Yeah. Um, and it, it loosened it up. We had a lot of fun and we were like, okay, this game doesn't matter. We're going to not take it too seriously. And that's when we, we put it all together. So I get it. I do want to talk a little bit about Julio Rodriguez, what he is doing currently and how much you feel it does coincide with Teoscar Hernandez and the heater that Hernandez is on. Because if you actually look at J-Rod and Teoscar's numbers, their hot streaks are very much on top of each other. And it does feel like that is something that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to draw a comparison to the Blue Jays and the fact that Teoscar was such good protection for him. Uh, and I know, Juan, you obviously, and Jordy, you too, you follow the Jays well enough to understand the, the struggles that Vladdy has had this year. Um, how, yeah, much I'd be... credit, how much credit do you give Tay Oscar for, for number one, J-Rod getting out of the slump he had at the beginning of the season and just turning his whole season around? And how much... Uh, of Vladdy's just lack of production has maybe coincided a little bit with, uh, or at, at least maybe slightly to blame is Teoscar's departure. I, uh, I think there is something there with that. Cause Julio Rodriguez definitely does need a buddy. Cause the same thing happened last season too. He wasn't out of the gate, super, super hot. Then they went out and got Carlos Santana and they got a really good relationship and he started going on an absolute tear. That's when we went from, oh, he's going to be really good for us eventually to us going, this guy's rookie of the year, lock him down. And I think that's the same thing with Teoscar. He's got a buddy now and Teoscar was always, he was always really cool about, even at the beginning of the season, he was like, hey, don't worry about me. I'm going to start hitting. It's just and I think that kind of rubbed off on Julio too. And it's like, just relax. You got the talent there. You're going to start hitting. It's going to be fine. So I definitely think there is something there with the Oscar. And maybe that's what the Jays were kind of missing with Vladdy's little slump is they just need someone there to be like, don't worry about it, dude. Just keep playing your game. Like yeah, 24 I do think there is still really young, right? Juan, like 24. Yeah. I think like non phenom players, like that's kind of when you start coming up at 24. Like that's mm -hmm. the time where you like most rookies are 24, you know? So uh, he's just entering his prime. He's got time, you know, people are going to probably write home about the season he had this year. And it's in theory, not a bad season. It's just not up to the level of expectations the Blue Jays fans have for him. Um, I do think there's something to be said about, you know, lineup construction as well. Um, you know, the perfect example, and I, I hate to do this to you because you're a Blue Jays guy. Uh, when it comes to lineup protection, is Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. Who are you going to throw to, you know, no, when it's those true. two guys were doing what they were doing? So it does make a huge difference. And I think we saw it a little bit this week with Julio. Um, people are just walking him intentionally now, even when it yeah. doesn't make sense to do so. Like, they yeah. are not letting that guy beat them. Um, so having somebody there, yeah, having somebody there to protect you in the lineup and let you hit, 
because it's, you know, option A or option B is, is massive. So, um, you know, is the answer putting Bo Bichette in the three hole and Vladdy in the two hole, you know, that's maybe something that, uh, uh, you guys could look at, but I do think there is something to be said about the, even the pitches you get, right? Like if you say you got first base open, uh, or a base open, Vladimir Guerrero is going to get way worse pitches to hit. He's just mm-hmm. not going to get, you know, a three, two fastball with first base open. He's going to throw him a nasty slider in the dirt and hope he chases. And if not, then you put him on first and there's not a whole lot of damage unless the guy behind him uh, can drive him in. So, And I think that's been one of the problems. And it's, it's funny again, the parallels between the Mariners and the Blue Jays when it comes to the offense, I think it's a problem that has plagued both teams is the lack of a true traditional cleanup hitter, a guy who's going to, hit bombs and is there to drive in runs. And that is just something and no disrespect to Davis Schneider, who has done an admirable job since being called up for the blue Jays. No disrespect to a guy like big dumper, Cal Raleigh, right? Like, you know, there are guys who have done an admirable job in that cleanup spot, but definitely not nailed down that spot where you're just like, yeah, we know who's going to hit fourth in this lineup every single time. You just don't. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we watched Teoscar get hot and all of a sudden J-Rod is just the most, you know, you can't, like yesterday, man, watching that Mariners-Dodgers game and there were runners on first and second with two outs and Mookie Betts was at the plate. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was like, they can't walk him. They can't even walk him. Who wants to face Freddie Freeman? Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said too about like how teams are utilizing that DH spot, right? Like, you don't really have a guy like David Ortiz around anymore because people are using that DH spot as essentially a day off, right? So that that takes a player essentially out of your lineup uh, to lengthen your bench, you know, get those utility guys in there. Um, and the true DH is, is not really what it used to be, um, where it's just solely a bat first instead of a rest day. Um, yeah, there's just so much strategy. I think a lot of people don't think about as fans, uh, when it comes to in-game management and roster construction. And yeah, I think that plays a huge, huge part, um, protect your best hitters. Cause it's, if given the opportunity not to pitch to these guys like Vladdy and Julio and, you know, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, like they're not going to do it, man. <laughs> like statistically there's all these stats and, you know, percentages of win probability and all this other metrics that people calculate nowadays. And yeah, I'm not going to let your best player beat me if I don't have to. Juan, you can answer this as well, but Jordy, I'm curious how you feel about looking at the standings right now. The American League West is just completely, I, I can't remember a year where it has been this tight at the top and had three, Three possible playoff teams. Like, truly, the Jays could fall out of it, and it could go to three ALS teams, which is, by the way, I did look up, has never happened since they started with the wild cards. So, would be wild to see. Normally, it's the AL East that everyone's talking about as as the superpower division. So, Jordy, do you think, when you look at the way things line up, if Seattle finishes in the second wild card? What is your confidence in them playing Baltimore or Tampa Bay in a three-game series? Yeah, I was 
I, I think me and Juan were discussing this last week, actually. I was like, I would much rather have that third wild card spot. Oh, right of course. Everyone would. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to say I could go up against the Twins or I would have to play the second best team in the AL? No, I am. Um, and then the other thing is, I think after watching Seattle play Tampa last week, I would much rather go up against Baltimore because they are insanely top to bottom. Terrific hitters. Such a good team. But there's kind of that inexperience that they have that I'm like, okay, maybe we can kind of jump on that. And they're young enough. There's fatigue that could come into play, right? We're seeing that right now with a lot of Mariners pitchers and stuff because they got the young guys. So I feel like there's a chance that could happen with Baltimore as well, whereas Tampa, I don't know. They've they've most of those guys have been there before. They've done it before. That's a that's a scary playoff team right now. So I would much rather have Baltimore. The scary Can thing, I just say? Yeah, absolutely, Juan. I just want to say, if it is three AL East teams that get in, I cannot begin to explain to you how happy it makes me that neither the Yankees or the Red Sox are one of those teams. The fact that three AL East teams are going to make it in and it's neither of those two teams is fucking chef's kiss right there. Just That's like another one where it's just never happened. <laughs> it's just never happened. Where, one yeah. of, where both of those teams miss out. It's just wild. And everyone um, else is in the dance except for them. Mm-hmm. So let's break these playoff the, the playoffs down a little bit more then, because I know the the three game series is the one thing where I'm like, I I as a Jays fan and all the grounds crew out there listening to this right now, I'd love to hear you uh, pipe up here in the comment section. Let us know what you think. But I think the three game series is the only reason why if the Blue Jays do line up. With Baltimore, there's a possibility. And Baltimore, by the way, has kicked the Jays' butt all year long. Okay. I think they're I think they're two and twelve in the 14 game series. Like literally the Blue Jays are have been embarrassed by the Baltimore Orioles. Now, the only reason I can see maybe something working out is exactly like you kind of brought up there, Jordy, in that the Orioles are inexperienced. They're young. And if a guy like Kevin Gosman comes in and just pitches the game of his life, right? The Jays win something ridiculous, like two, one. And every guy at the plate is now just like really frustrated. They're down a game. The blue Jays throw the kitchen sink at them. You know, don't let any just run a bullpen game, you know, start Kikuchi, have Barrios and Bassett ready. Like just go for it. I, I can see a scenario where maybe the Jays get past that. and But I can see that scenario with, with Seattle as well, which is kind of interesting to think that the team that pairs up with, and I mean, Baltimore and Tampa Bay, by far the best teams in the American League. It's kind of funny to think that one of those teams could be eliminated and then the team that beat them wouldn't need to play the top team. They might wind up playing minnesota or something in the division series yeah it's wild to see man um i'm excited though i love it i love it so much um and i think like i think you're right man like whoever gets to that game one you gotta do everything to get that game two man don't don't take any chances right Um, yeah like the kitchen sink i agree man i'm not i'm not playing a conservative if i win game one i'm going going after that way and I'm saying, th- yeah, like Jordy said, I'm taking the experience every every day of the week. You know, the Jays have been there. The Rays have been there. Baltimore's younger guys haven't. Adley Rushman hasn't been there. So 
you know, I, I, I would take the experience every time for sure. <laughs> Jordy, can you see the other thing? Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the other thing is too is, oh, I just disappeared off my camera. I'm just going to switch that. But uh, when you've got a three game series <laughs> all on the road, you see that this is a professional maneuver. I'm telling think. you, this is what I mean. We got to clean up the technical issues on the Mariners side, man. It's an American thing. We're both Canadian, but it's an American team. We'll blame it on the US of A. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you got uh, you got three game series, all your games on the road. Those Baltimore fans are not nice people. No. So if you get that first game, you kind of have them at a little bit of a lull. So then you got to step on the throats right there and shut them down. Because if you lose that second game, they're going to be pumped going into that third game. And that's not easy to do. That's the one thing the way. Blue Jays and the the Mariners have going for them is as, as fewer and fewer games are left in the season and things still remain undecided, it is looking like massaging your starting rotation to line up, let's say in your guys's case, a Luis Castillo in game one of a wild card might not be an option. You might need to win game 162 to get into the wild card and shuffling guys around may not be something that um, should and, and would be done, but the blue Jays uh, and, luckily and, for us. and the Mariners their starting rotation might be the only starting rotations of the teams vying for these spots that could handle that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, man, like based off these rotations, Blue Jays and Mariners, I mean, you don't really have to finesse too much, you know, you got three dudes at least that, you know, can go out and throw seven scoreless. So, and have been doing it. So, uh, that, that benefits you that depth in the, uh, the rotation makes all the difference in the world. Um, so yeah, if you after, know you you can't go Luis game one, you put him game two, like it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world. Yeah, after uh, after seeing Gilbert and Kirby pitch in last year's playoffs, not too too concerned about their performance. <laughs> but it'll be uh, the only thing, and what makes me happy right now is they don't even have the option to put in Ray during the playoffs. So that's that's, <laughs> that's the biggest. Wow, bonus. shots fired. Shots Speaking of Robbie big. Ray. How, how it it does his um rehab line up? He should be good to go. Opening day twenty twenty four. I don't think, I think opening day. Close. I think we're not opening day. Summer. Yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be close though, because it was at the start of the season. So he's gonna have like a full Still year. Such a bummer, eh? Frick. Yeah, man. It, it, yeah, I don't want to talk off season yet, but it makes for a very interesting numbers crunch in the Mariners rotation. Um. To lose a guy that's coming off a of Cy Young game two, uh, yeah, and 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 being okay is is incredible. But there's yeah. obviously uh, a lot to be desired when it comes to the offense of both the Blue Jays and the Mariners, and it it is funny again how much of a parallel there is between the fact that the Jays literally their their best pitcher in 2022 finished third in Cy Young voting has contributed. Negative war to this Blue Jays team. <laughs> He's literally cost this team games. And then to look at the Mariners and their big stud ace, right? The guy they went out in the offseason and spent big money on in 2021, won a Cy Young with the Blue Jays and Robbie Ray. They haven't even had an opportunity for him to pitch anything more than I like spring training this year. 
Yeah, I think he did start one game because I had him in fantasy. So I know for a fact he started one regular season game. Um, like, and it didn't go of, well. Can, can either of you boys think of another organization that could just shrug off their arguably top pitcher going down like these two teams? Maybe have? Atlanta. Maybe, Maybe Atlanta. Atlanta. Jordy? Well, and I guess, by all technicalities, the Angels, but that's mainly just because they were going to lose anyway, so they wouldn't notice. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, it doesn't affect them because it was Competitive teams, no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the Angels would be the one. Other than that, yeah, so many teams just rely so heavily on their big ace. Um, yeah, outside of the Mariners, like, it's not that we haven't needed Ray. It's almost we haven't really noticed him gone either. Like he, Nope. There's been no point where we're like, oh, I just wish we had him back. It's like, no, we're cruising. We're looking good. And we lost him and Marco Gonzalez. I mean, Bobby Miller stepping up for you guys has been what a Bryce. nice surprise. Wow, Scott. Bryce Miller. How dare you Bryce, 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 bring sorry. up Bobby Miller to us right, right now? Right. <laughs> it's too soon. Dodgers Bobby Miller. Bryce Miller <laughs> for the... Come on, Scott. Get it together. <laughs> I wish Bobby I could Miller, say I was intentionally trolling you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one either way, whether it was intentional or not. Uh, but yeah, Wu, Wu and Miller are two guys that, that stepped up and, and filled in admirably. So even even if the season doesn't end the way we want it to, you know, you can look back and feel good about where this organization is headed with all their young pitching right now, for sure. Let's get into the the Mariners and the Texas Rangers and the schedule ahead of the Mariners because I know the Blue Jays fans that still have it in them to try and be optimistic have been counting down the games and who's playing who and doing the score checking as as all fan bases that are still in a playoff hunt have been doing. Um, 14 games left in the year, half of them are against the Texas Rangers. I'm going to leave this open-ended. Where are you guys at on this? Are you scared? Are you worried? How do you feel about the Texas Rangers? Like, this is a lot of games left, man. Like, Op- optimistically nervous because I think the Mariners are two and five against the Rangers right now, if I'm not mistaken. Jordy will probably know better than me. Yeah, we've got the losing record against them for sure. So they've got the tiebreaker on us. And they've been looking really good against us all year, too. It's not like, oh, there's a lot of games that could have pulled up. Like, no, they were pretty dominant in all the games we played them. So that's scary. But on the other hand, it is nice to kind of know that they control their own fate. That's true. A little bit of a relief. That is true. They don't have to do a whole lot of scoreboard watching because they still got three against Houston, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah, three or four against Houston. Houston Which is wild. This is where the Jays fans are really... It's the only thing that has kept me optimistic as I watched the Rangers sweep them, is that 10 of the last 14 games for the Mariners are against <laughs> teams where it doesn't matter what happens. As long as the Jays win, they're gaining a game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys should just be sitting back, taking care of what you need to take care of, and then just watch the AOS beat the shit out of each other. Well, the beginning of the week, the Jays were just sitting back and enjoying the ride there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, 
you know, might be a little bit different if Jacob DeGrom was healthy, but I like I like the Mariners' chances. So let's and, talk. And Scherzer, that's another one. Scherzer's up too. Okay, before we move on here, I I do want to get into the Texas Rangers. I just didn't believe. I just didn't believe. I wasn't a Texas believer. Even mid-season, I was like, the bottom's going to fall out, and it it hasn't. I mean, I guess it has a little bit, but they are a contending team in this division, and in the playoffs... Speaking of the Rangers, I'm I'm curious what your take is, Scott. Do you think letting Semyon walk was the right call? I... No, probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, would he ever look good in the middle of this Blue Jays lineup? And I think it would have solved a lot of problems that literally they have right now. Um, yeah. Because when they, when he signed, because honestly, when he signed, dude, I was like, was you lot. just gave a 31 year old seven years, 175 million. I thought they were insane, especially yeah. when you pair it with, with the Seeger contract and the term involved and how much you're giving to guys that, you know, uh, are, I guess, I guess Seeger a little bit different because he was on the right side of 30 there, but I was, I was beside myself that they gave so much money to the middle infield and they've been carrying that Rangers team. And you can definitely tell that it hit the blue Jays offense in 2022, him walking away. And my God, what, this 2023 Blue Jays offense would look like with Marcus Simeon. It would be night and day. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. If you're going to make a prediction, Jordy, do you think of the three teams in the AL West vying for a spot is who's the odd man out? And it can be the Jays. You can mention the Jays as well. I don't know. That is a tough one because based on the last couple weeks, like there's been stretches where every team looks like they don't want to be in it. <laughs> I think I think Houston is going to clinch, though. I think they're safe. I don't think that's a talking thing. What makes you feel know, that man. way? Back up your argument. Why is Houston at only literally half a game better then, or I guess they did gain a, a game on both the Mariners and the Rangers here. But but what makes you so confident that, that Houston has the horses? We well, still got four outs to score five runs. Hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I missed. I, I thought Julio caught that home run. I got it on my phone right now playing and I was devastated. Uh, but no, <laughs> I think uh, I think Houston, they're. One, they have they've been there before. They know what they're doing, so they can be cool. Uh, they're not really dealing with too too much injury stuff. They've got Verlander coming back. Um, well, he came back, so they've still got him. Framber Valdez is heating up. Like he had a bit of a not great start to the year. Mm-hmm. He's starting to get it. Altuve is just hot right now. So I think this is a team that's starting to heat up at the right time. Whereas the other teams in the mix are kind of stumbling a little bit, little inconsistencies. So I think Houston is going to be, I think the division is theirs. Once again, I would be more than happy to be wrong about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I think, um, I don't know. There's the pessimistic part of me, like 
for being a Mariners fan so long that I'm like, it's definitely they're not going to be the ones making it. <laughs> but I feel like once again, Jays fans are the same way. You've got three teams where all the fans are like, oh, we're going to blow it. We're all going to blow it. Yeah, it's so funny how that's that's it's been a yo-yo of a year for all three Rangers, Jays and Mariners fans. I mean, the Rangers fans like again, my buddy Ian, like I just I should have actually picked up the phone and called him because I was just like the text I was getting from him, like no hope, just completely and totally frustrated with the Rangers. Even after sweeping the Jays was like, you don't understand. You don't know how bad they've been the last 20 games. There's nothing to get excited about here. So it's kind of funny to watch three fan bases where the teams are on on pace to probably win 90 games. Like it's probably going to take 90 games to make this wild card. Uh, a lot of a lot of downtrodden emotion <laughs> from these fan bases. Let's talk some un- unsung heroes because I I want to hear who's been do- getting it done for the Mariners. Uh, I I will start with some Blue Jays guys, and one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is that just to explain how options work for some of these guys. So you're each you, you get three options. And those last the whole year. So once once you hit those three options, you can no longer be sent down to the minor leagues without giving permission, which most major league players just will straight up say it, it's not going to happen. Um, now, once an option's taken, you can then yo-yo a guy up and down five times. So on the sixth time that you send him down, they are then subject to the waiver wire and need to pass through waivers so the other 29 teams get a shot at them. So this uh, is important to the Blue Jays in two scenarios here. Jay Jackson has been one of our yo-yos all year. Jay Jackson, a piece of the bullpen in the Blue Jays' pen. He's been fantastic all year, put up really good numbers, and is a guy whose option they were able to exercise. So he's at five times now. So if they bring him back up, if they send him down again, he's available on way on the waiver wire. Same goes for Bowden Francis. These are two guys that like get no love. They're constantly up and down between triple a and the blue Jays have given length, have performed when asked to. And honestly, if you look at their numbers, both of them below three ERAs and in limited innings have, have, been those guys uh every team has these guys i'd love to hear who on the mariners is maybe that unsung hero a dude who maybe winds up somebody gets injured they get called up they get sent back down maybe even not the yo-yoing but a bench piece that just has has performed admirably all year long uh jordy do you want to start do you have a guy in mind um well i think we for the mariners it's been uh, bullpen pitchers. We've got a couple of guys that have come in and looked pretty good, but the thing is, there's not a lot of yo-yoing going on because the guys that they uh, that they've been bringing in kind of tend to stay lately. Um, we have the last couple games. This Edward Bazardo came up. Bazardo. I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's name. That's how. <laughs> but he looked really good earlier this week. I was super happy with him. Other than that, even just looking at the uh, 
the bench right now. I'm kind of cheating. I'm not going to lie, but most of these guys, I'm like, <laughs> I came up with a name by myself. What the fuck? <laughs> a lot of these guys haven't, uh, haven't been bouncing back and forth. They come up, they're here to stay. It's, they haven't really had much from that. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's some of these bullpen pitchers, Topa Thornton, they've been solid for them. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of the reason the Mariners haven't really, um, abused, um, the yo-yo like the Blue Jays have, um, it's because of health. The Mariners have actually been very healthy this year. Um, the only name that I could think of that kind of bounces back and forth between Tacoma and Seattle would be Sam Haggerty. Um, right. He hasn't done a ton uh, since being up lately, but, uh, you know, he's he's another piece for sure. He's, a, you know, that fourth outfielder, big speed guy. Um, but, you know, Ty France is locked in at first base, Cal catcher, third base with Gino, shortstop with – JP and the outfield is has been Teo, uh, Julio, and then you know Kalnick when he's healthy. Kalnick's really the only one uh, that's really experienced any sort of lengthy injury this year, and really he did it to himself. So you know it wasn't uh, even a like a water cooler did it to him. Okay. <laughs> a water cooler did it to him. Oh, uh, was it they... one of? Oh yeah, right. He kicked the water cooler. I forgot about Broke that. His butt. Yeah. Um, but the, the Mariners have just been incredibly uh, lucky when it, in terms of health this year. So they haven't really had to use the options, um, which is nice. It's a good problem to have. You know who's having a really nice little season for you guys? And of course, I'm going to uh, tout him because he's a friend of the show and was a former Blue Jay. But Taylor Sacedo has literally been nails in the bullpen for you guys. And he's it's awesome. not that it's not that like it's that surprising, but. It's kind of surprising. Like, he's a guy who didn't even make his major league debut till he was 28. You know, he kind of yo-yoed around the Blue Jays system up and down. He was he was kind of the Jays, uh, Jay Jackson a couple of years ago, where he would he just, you know, they were exercising his option. And when they needed a guy who had innings or whatever, he was the guy that they were calling on to to yo-yo up and down. But man, even just Yesterday, watching him come in, he gets a double play and then goes out and gives you a little bit of length and gives you an extra inning there. I know that it didn't work out in in the eleventh inning there or whatever, but uh, yeah, Taylor Sacedo, man, he's been a, he's been a dude, man. I swear to God, it's something to do with the Mariners' bullpen. Maybe it's the bullpen coach. Um, hard to speculate, but that bullpen, you know, you get arms in there and it's like, oh, who the hell is this guy? You know, not also, not to say that Sacedo was uh, who is this guy, but a lot of times, but like, a little Copa, bit Copa, for sure, like, he was. a little bit, you know. Um, and I will uh, I will add real quick, every time they flash to the Mariners bullpen, I don't think I'll ever get used to the bullpen coach being Steven Vogt. That, <laughs> that one, every time, I was like, oh, that's right. That is our bullpen. <laughs> yeah. But he's doing a good job so far, so we'll take it. Who's your three? If you got to pick three pitchers out of this Mariners rotation and you do get to line them up for the wild card which oh, that's we've already talked about is unlikely so easy i don't even think we're gonna disagree on no, i don't one. think so either what castillo gilbert and i go kirby number two personally kirby? Then... wow yeah i go Honestly, kirby number two I, I fully agree with that i think kirby is the better pitcher over uh really over is this general consensus around Juan will come back uh <laughs> is is this general consensus amongst Mariners fans like do you think most Mariners fans would put Kirby as number two right now I 
I think so. Uh, like he's the one who's put up the great games, but I, I don't know if it's a majority would agree on that one. I think Logan Gilbert is still getting a lot of love, which this is one of those good problems to have. But for me personally, I, I prefer Kirby talent wise. I think though, Logan Gilbert's a little colder. I think he can, uh, I don't think the pressure of playoffs would get to him. So that's another one. I'd almost want him in a game three situation because it's not gonna, it's not going to get in his head. Let's talk a crazy scenario here. Uh, Jordy, it would take some doing for it to happen, but a Mariners blue Jays division series is not only impossible, not impossible, but somewhere in like the 20% chance of kind of going down depending on how how teams play up until the end here um that would be pretty darn wild and do you think we would see things like we saw last year with the mariners trying to limit canadians from buying tickets and how <laughs> how would you see that series playing out because the mariners have looked good against the jays this year yeah, yeah, no, but it is it was pretty even throughout the year too. I I feel like a playoff series between the Mariners and the Jays, I think it just goes down to who has home advantage. I think it was kind of like I don't want to say fluky, but the fact that the Mariners were able to come back last year in that second game, you don't do that again. That was just <laughs> a perfect storm of everything. I think once again, don't want to say lucky because the guys did show a lot of composure, but I don't know, man. Jays are hard to beat at home, and the Mariners fans, they're going to be losing their minds. Mm-hmm. But So I think it does come down to who has home advantage, and I do think that uh, that the Mariners would try and limit people with uh, a U.S. zip code to buying tickets because they want that home field advantage. Especially with how much Vancouver shows up whenever a series like that goes down. Yeah. Absolutely. They have no problem with that in the regular season, but playoffs, that's where they're like, maybe we shouldn't be letting this. Yeah. They're, they're fine with taking Canadians money when it's, it's a series in the middle of June. Sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah. Come on down. It's summertime. Who cares? We'll get our hotels a little extra money. Now they're like, no, no, we want to win. And this is where things get really interesting when you start breaking it down because everyone wants that Minnesota twins series for the wild card, right? but at the same time you can't play for the third wild card that's complete insanity so for this scenario to even take place number one the jays and the mariners both need to make it in which would probably be some uh some semblance of jays number two mariners number three or flip them and then they would both need to win those wild card series and come out and then they would be matched up in the division series uh, sorry, I think it might even need to be the championship series that they would see each other, right? Yeah. We're going to wind up think... not being able to do the math on this. Yeah, no, because <laughs> I feel like the division winners just line up with the wild card winners no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it would have to be a championship series one, which I think Major League Baseball itself would not be excited what? about that one. Major League Baseball, this is a complete nightmare scenario, what we're drawing up here. They're like, please no, 
What do you mean? What do you mean Houston and Texas aren't in? <laughs> Which yeah, is they're, they're obviously like who Rob Manfred right was. They're like, shut this conversation down. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk the AL. Uh, sorry, the NL wild card spot right now because if if we just flip over to the NL, it is pretty wild what's going on there as well. Um. They have four teams, I think it is. Let's double check here. Oh, it's yeah, yeah it's another tight one, too. It is insane. Between San Francisco, Cincinnati, Arizona, Miami, and Chicago, they are all within two and a half games of each other, and they're vying for two spots amongst five teams. And as I, I watch this AL wildcard spot, all I can think is, thank God three or four teams get in. Like if this was, if this was a, a scenario where there's five teams and only two gets in, it would be so much more. I, I mean, it's already about as anxiety high as you can possibly get, but this playoff expansion, it worked right. Jordy, like I, the promise, the promise baseball, the commissioner yeah. gave, right. Of like, you know, Manfred comes out and he's like, more fan bases will be engaged. It's going to be exciting right till the end. And I know a lot, I'm always on the side of as soon as there's a rule change, I hate it. And then eventually come around to it. Uh, do you think this is a success though? I would say so. I think, I think Manfred did well on the expansion there because look at all of these teams now, right? Like going into the season, we wouldn't have expected Arizona to be in the mix. We wouldn't have expected Cincinnati to be in the mix. But with this third wild card, now they're like, ooh, the rebuild's kind of ending early. I feel like there's a lot less teams that are just throwing in the towel by June. It it does make for a little less exciting of a trade deadline, but that is mm-hmm. totally fine with me. I'll take I'll take exciting baseball the entire season over a fun trade deadline for two days. I'm just kind of taking a look at the standings right now, and there are Six teams in the American League that are under 500. And there are six teams in the National League that are under 500. So basically, every other team is in a playoff hunt. If you're over 500, you're in a playoff hunt. Is that competitive enough to you? I'd say so. I think so. Um it's not quite the level of uh that you would get from say hockey where most of the teams in fact make it but it is good to see at least half of the teams and then the other there were some teams that were still trying to compete it just didn't work out you had the angels going out and thinking like hey maybe we'll just try and get some players yankees did the same thing they were they didn't really want to give up on the season it just kind of happened that they lost out so that is kind of a nice thing in that, yeah, I'd say it's competitive enough because not everyone's just straight up intentionally losing outside of your Oakland and Kansas cities. My big my big uh, problem with it was going to be um, would teams, if they weren't close, just like be horrible, which we are seeing a little bit. But honestly, again, I I do feel like this was a success. Uh, For those of you watching, the grounds crew watching, feel free to drop here 
uh, in the comments. If you believe that the playoff expansion was a good thing, where are you at on it? I know that I was a detractor to begin with, and now I uh, I kind of enjoy it. Speaking of rule changes, Jordy, you look at the way that the Seattle Mariners team is built. Um, have you noticed an increase in stolen bases and just the running game in general with the Mariners, with the larger bases and, and the emphasis on teams running more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think right from the get go, we were seeing uh, a lot more of it, uh, especially obviously our big base dealer, Julio Rodriguez. Um, last year, he kind of stopped stealing in the summertime. All of his, most of his stolen bases were in the first couple months Whereas now this year, he's started to spread it out. Now he's just going to be running the whole year. Um, so I've I've enjoyed it. I'm a fan of the stolen base. I think it makes for a way Me more too, exciting man. game. And um, we're seeing guys, they always talk five-tool players, right, Jordy? Oh, he's got five tools. He's got five tools. But one thing that the Moneyball error did was it really put an emphasis on not giving up an out. And there are... Good arguments to be had why that probably should still be taken into account. Don't give away outs. But my goodness, to watch players like Julio Rodriguez, to watch guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. Get a chance to show all five of these tools. Because the speed tool was one that maybe didn't get highlighted enough in a game where there are so many speedsters and speed is such a huge element to playing baseball at a, at, at peak level. So I guess my question is, are we going to see guys start getting paid for this? Because that's always what shifts baseball, right? We watched home runs become the most sought after tool and teams were paying big bucks for it. And so you saw a lot of power hitters. Can you see the pendulum swinging the other way? Can you see guys getting paid for speed as the game continues to change? I think you can. I also think we are going to see the return of just the pinch runner position, especially late in games. You're going to see guys who don't even bat. You're going to see guys come up who have like four career stolen bases and no career at bats. <laughs> we're going to start seeing more of that. And as I'm thinking of it, I'm just wondering what would have happened if there were guys like Billy Hamilton who came into the league at this time with those rules. So I think, I think we're definitely going to start seeing more players getting paid on stolen base numbers. We're going to start seeing that part of the game coming back, which I'm all for. I'm excited for it. Can you see other areas of the game starting to get paid differently now that uh, baseball has shifted a little bit more into a more uh, athletic sport, I guess? Like, that was one thing that them eliminating the shift did, right? Was get to show off some of these guys' defensive prowess. Can you can you just by looking at the way the game is is going right now, can you see guys getting paid for, I know you just brought up the pinch hitter or the, the pinch runner. Can you see guys that maybe their value wouldn't be compensated for in previous years, start to get compensated? Um, One position and it's, it's already kind of started. I think last year is the utility 
player, right? The guy you can play multiple defensive positions and they kind of are starting to acknowledge it. Cause you got a gold glove as a utility fielder now, mm-hmm. but I think there's going to be a lot more value in being a bench player who can play multiple positions. And you're going to start seeing these guys really getting paid, right? It's, you're going to start seeing more players kind of with the Ben Zobrist effect almost. Isn't it crazy how much Ben Zobrist versatility and Tampa Bay's willingness to use it changed the way players were given positions? Oh, yeah. it It's think, wild. Yeah, and the model, they were like, yeah, we went to the World Series. We have a guy, one of our best players. He doesn't even have a position. He just kind yeah. of stands where we tell him to. Because, man, I remember being just the biggest Blue Jays fan when I was a kid, and I was lucky enough to 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 be alive during their World Series run. And, man, like, I remember it was insane at the time that Joe Carter played both first base and right field. Like, the guys just didn't move around. And now you see every guy be able to play two positions. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's a big thing when considering signing players right now. I know in Seattle, Depoto makes that extra effort to bring in guys who can play multiple positions. Right, he's got Dylan Moore, uh, Canzone can still play some first base. Even Ty France at the time, like he likes to mix in a little Ty France at third base sometimes. The guy, yeah, it's such a value to have players who can play multiple positions more so than it was a few years like in the mid 2000s to the early 2010s. We were just talking one about versatility and just the fact that it has become so much more prevalent in baseball and that Ben Zobrist really was and, and the Tampa Bay management's willingness to use him wherever really kind of changed the way uh, players were given positions. And I kind of had asked uh, Jordy, as the game changes, and our example was the bigger bases, and if base stealers are going to get start start getting more money, because that's that's how you really start to see guys who are are big time base stealers. Or we saw it with the home run, right? As soon as the home run became the most valuable thing in baseball, guess what? Everyone wanted to get paid as a big power hitter, and so power became the most prevalent tool being used by ball players. Is there is there something? Uh, a type of player you can see maybe starting to be valued more by franchises and organizations and maybe given more money for their skill set that hasn't been the case in the last 10 years in baseball? Yeah, that's an interesting take, actually. Something that I've never really considered. I know when I went through the recruiting process and, and you know, playing with those travel teams in high school and whatnot, uh, the one common denominator was coaches were looking for athletes. They're just looking for athletes. You know, if you're an athletic person, we can mold around that. Um, it's a little bit different when you get to that level, for sure. Right. You're no longer just projecting. There's a lot of uh, a lot of source material to pull from. Um, but you, the, the, obviously, there's way more stolen bases this year. Uh, the success rate, I would love to see the stats on the success rate compared to previous years. Um, yeah, and I think you do have to factor that in. You know, that's that's 90 feet. That's the difference between a walk and leaving a runner on first or a runner in scoring position and having three cracks of driving them in. Um, it, you know, when you break down the analytics and the, the math to it, I think that improves your odds of winning substantially uh, because it, it allows you to get more runners in scoring position uh, and more opportunities to score. So it doesn't matter how, how that run 
scores as long as the run does score. So, uh, uh yeah, I the do Blue think Jays that's... proved that over the last couple of games. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no, I okay. think that factors in, man. And if I'm if I'm a free agent or I'm going through the arbitration process, you know, I'm pointing to that stat and saying I'm going to be able to steal a lot more bases. I can get off further. I can. There's more strategy to base than now because you can only disengage twice. So, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And okay. we saw it like somebody disengaged twice on our team, and then the next pitch stolen base. Corbin Burns. There you go. Oh well, Corbin <laughs> Burns was the one who got us with it because he, uh, yeah, he disengaged twice, and then he waited for the clock to run out, and our runner was like, "I'm going now," and Burns turned because you can do a third pickoff, but you need to get him. Yeah, right. And, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. got him because the guy was already going, and Burns is like, "Yeah, you're done." It was. It was, I think, the first example that I saw, anyway, of of the pitcher taking advantage of the pitch clock. We're Got going it. to say, I'm excited as these rules become more cemented into everyone's uh, mindset, as t- to see to see the Wiley guys, you know, the the Zach Grankies of the world, and how they manipulate some of these rules to their benefit. It's going to be kind of cool because you know, guys are going to figure shit out. They're probably with the Rays, oh. and <laughs> yeah, it's always going to be Tampa Bay. It's always Tampa Bay, blueprint. and then and then, and then Manfred will be like, "We'll make a rule to stop them," and it won't matter. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I do have this is a very Blue Jay specific question. Um, but without a doubt, you guys are going to be able to give, uh, takes on this just from your experience following whatever team it is you're cheering for. And so the question is this, if, and obviously it's a big, if, uh, the Jays don't make the playoffs, how much, so I, I, to set this up for you guys, one thing that this Toronto Blue Jays front office has done for years is really tout that they're collaborative. Oh, we collaborate. We have big group meetings. My God, the email chain amongst the Blue Jays front office must be the most annoying thing on the planet. So many CCs. Everyone's fucking got their fingers in the pie, right? But my my problem with this collaborative idea is that when it is time to move on from a manager, from a general manager, does hiring from within become almost um, I guess let him sit in it, Jordy. Let him sit in it. No, 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 no. I I like this. Incestuous almost, right? Like I I was trying to come up with a word that wasn't incestuous, and I'm just gonna go to it. That was not the word I was I thought you were gonna say taboo or something. That was Well, I wasn't the word that was coming to my mind either. But really, honestly, I was gonna say complacent. The the reason I asked this is just like honestly, some of the problems that that we're seeing with John Schneider as a manager, we saw with Charlie Montoyo when he was at the helm there, and the coaching staff hasn't changed over. And when it comes to analytics, you know that there's a department that is hired by the general manager that is giving all the information down to the manager. So if you're just taking out the face and just keep the whole machine going. Is there any change at all? So 
if if the Blue Jays do decide that they need to make a change, where are you at on going with an internal option? And if that is something that there is value to, obviously, because, you know, uh, James Click, World Series winner with the Houston Astros in 2022, is literally sitting as a consultant with the Toronto Blue Jays right now. He has the qualifications to take the reins right now. The downfall being... He's got to be contributing to some of these conversations, right? How much do you need a new uh, a new face? And does it matter it's if such it's a just case by case situation? Because we don't know the inner workings, right? Like you say, he's got to be a part of these conversations. But is he disagreeing with you know the decisions that are being made? We don't know that. Um, I think I think you gotta I think you gotta interview internal candidates that the players want to play for. Right, because there's something to be said about that too, wanting to play for somebody that's already in the organization. But you also have to interview some external um, candidates and and just choose who you think is going to be the best one. Uh, it's no different than you know any industry at any level when it comes to hiring. You always want to hire the best person, and you know I would be willing to bet most organizations probably get it right forty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they're lucky, um, that's really just, interesting, dude. And that I, tough. I, 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 Jordy, what do you think the percentage of is of getting it right? Hiring the right guy. Oh, that is a tough one. That's not even a number I've ever really considered. <laughs> ever really thought of. I think nowadays though. I feel like it is going up a little more. I think when Juan said 40%, I think that is a pretty good number. And I think they're getting a lot better at it. I think teams have a much better idea of knowing what they're looking for. And I think right now, especially when it comes to the front office GMs and stuff, a lot of these guys are a lot more open-minded to not only all of their techniques, Um, ways to look at the game they're always willing to be adapting willing to be changing and I think they're also just kind of a lot better at accepting the constructive criticisms too or they're not these old crusty guys who've been oh I've done it this way forever this is how it's always been (laughs) the Tony La yeah exactly (laughs) or or right I'm now, good Hawks. to drive. I do this all the time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For, uh, another shit. example, a uh, different sport, but in hockey, you're Mike Babcock, who just had to resign because he's going around to his players and being like, oh, show me what's on your phone. And these younger players are like, that is really weird. <laughs> and and he's like, no, I've just always been doing this. And now he had to resign. But it's it's the same thing across all sports, I think, is – these more younger front office people are like, no, no, we're just going to kind of adapt with the times. They don't have that mentality that they're like, this is how it's always been done. This is how we're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Tommy's the same thing. Like there's always, you got to respect the OGs. You got to respect the guys that have been doing it a long time, but I put Scott in his place all the time when we are on the road. So <laughs> just glad that I can be an old dog here. I was, I was about <laughs> I think the most offensive part about that is you calling him one of the old crusty guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm an old crusty freaking comic. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks for Didn't having us on your podcast, it. bro. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the Mariners front office, 
for Blue Jays fans out there, can you describe the differences? How does the Mariners front office operate? Are they collaborative of, as well? Do you get the sense that uh, there is more autonomy there where one guy can make a decision? How does the Mariners compare to the Blue Jays front office? I think it's Jerry Depoto show. I, I could be wrong. Again, you don't know the inner workings, right? Like, there's no way we're going to get access to that kind of information. Um, but I think, I think it's his show to run. And if he does it improperly, they'll 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 replace him. But he's got a long standing in the league. He's been around a long time. He's yeah, he he's has. had some success for sure. Um, and I think if you look at his track record with the Mariners, it's not bad. And I and I I would point out to the extension of the contracts that they've authorized. For guys like Julio and Luis Castillo, those guys, in my opinion, are grossly underpaid. To be honest with you, with what they're doing and have done, um, you know, if you put like Luis Castillo or Julio on free agency, those contracts are even their agents are not even picking up the phone to entertain those contracts at this point. Um, so I think until he proves otherwise, there's no reason to suggest that they're not getting it right. And then you look at their pitching depth as well. You know, those guys are homegrown uh, with the exception of Luis. So not only is he authorizing good contract extensions, not overpaying uh, based off free agent markets, uh, with the exception of maybe Robbie Ray, but he was coming off of Cy Young. So that's one of those ones where you're like, okay, yeah, we could probably <laughs> understand and give him a pass on that one. Uh, but he's also drafting well. You know, he's developing pitchers. Uh, but he's not developing pitchers, but he's drafting guys that can get developed into, you know, middle to upper uh, rotation pieces. Jordy, this is a tough one, but if you're just going to uh, take a hot take here, Luis Castillo, would you say he's DePoto's best exterior move with uh, the trade and sign? Ooh, that is a tough one. And if um... not, if not, feel free. What's what's in competition with it? You know what? Off the top of my head, I don't think I can think of one uh, with the sign. I do know DePoto's had some great trades like uh, the Matt Brash one, I think, is definitely his best fleecing. Yeah, that was a fleece. Yeah, he gave San Diego essentially nothing, actually. And that was right after he had also done the Thai France trade, bringing in France Munoz and stuff. So that was his biggest fleecing. Uh, the Cincinnati deal with, for Castillo wasn't a fleecing, especially because they've got guys uh, they yeah. ended up trading away, uh, Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo. So those ones did hurt. But Although, wow, could... would Castillo look good in a Reds uniform now? Like, that team that's competing. <laughs> like, literally, like, Cincinnati is right there for a wild card. And with Luis Castillo, they would uh, probably be in a spot right now. Oh, yeah, sure. but... I don't think they were expecting to be in this spot. And there's, <laughs> I think, uh, I think them having Noel V. Marte for a long time, they're not too upset about that. The other thing too, with like Cincinnati is I don't think they were ever going to authorize the kind of extension that Luis was going to yeah. want to stay in Seattle or in Cincinnati. Sorry. So I think they were kind of getting ahead of it a little bit and realizing, because Luis was probably looking at that too. Like this team's probably not going to compete in the time frame that I want to potentially win a world series. Now, Obviously, that changed and things happen. You can never really predict when, you know, prospects are going to come up and, and guys like uh, De La Cruz are going to do what they do. Um, but I think it was like a mutual agreement that, you know, I got to go get my money somewhere else and go play somewhere else. 
So I, I think that's one of the few situations where it's like a win-win trade. I mean, we still got to see how those kids pan out for Cincinnati, but there's no reason to believe that they won't. And I think even if Luis falls off a cliff, which I pray to God he doesn't, uh, they're probably pretty happy with their returns. Yeah, figuratively and literally. I, I think both teams are happy with the outcomes thus far in that trade for sure. You boys wish Paul Seawald was still within the fold. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. We got into this one last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because and and listen, I I'm I'm not I'm not trying to rub your face in it at all. It's just we watch the Blue Jays go the complete opposite direction when it comes to their bullpen as the Mariners did, which was they gave up their two top pitching prospects and Sam Roberts and Adam Kloffenstein to go out and get uh Jordan Hicks out of St. Louis and this is a dude who honestly he's a dude like, there's no better way of putting it. The guy's a fucking dude. He throws 102. He's come in and just provided that velo that even when he has um, given up some runs, and he has, he hasn't been perfect. He has been absolutely the guy you want coming in in that eighth inning when you need to blow 103 past a guy. Not that Paul Seawald was that guy. Seawald, an established veteran closer, though. Jordy? Is is do you think Depoto's regretting this now? I I think he might be, and I even remember at the time I was excited about it because I knew Seawald wasn't coming back. I think we had all accepted he was gone at the end of the season, so we're like, oh, we got we got things in exchange for him, we got some pieces. But right now, and also when it happened too, the bullpen was good, mm-hmm. and the bullpen was still pretty good after Seawald left. And then you got into a week like last week where the bullpen was just stumbling and that's when we're like oh we need that consistent presence because i think we see it right now in munoz he's just he looked gassed last Mm -hmm. week did get a couple days off this week so he's looking a little better over the weekend but yeah munoz looked just not good inconsistencies from matt brash all of these younger guys you can kind of see the fatigue catching up with them where that's where it would be so nice to have a guy like seawald who is just going to be the same. He's going to give you exactly what you're expecting every game. It's not a roller coaster ride. I feel like when it comes to Seawald and that trade, Depoto almost pivoted directions before the end of the trade deadline because it really, honestly, I was convinced Teoscar was coming back to Toronto. I figured that there would be a deal done somewhere there. It just. So are we. <laughs> like, and I don't think anyone saw Seattle going on the run they went on. I mean, we talked about the Rays and how hot they started off the top of the uh, the episode here. But, I mean, the Mariners had a run right there, right? Like, the exact same. In fact, I think they even won one more game and lost one less in that 35-game span or whatever. I mean, it was one of the biggest heaters of 2023. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that, like, maybe DePoto just didn't see this coming? Like, who who could guess that? Like, you're right. He got something, at least. Yeah, I think everybody wants to look at the negatives, too, because you got to look at, you know, the games that the guys that did come in help win you know it's not like we got back you know prospects the guys that were traded for are on the mlb roster Mm -hmm. and they had contributed to that winning streak so you know are the mariners in a better place with those guys instead of seawald it's impossible and completely speculation to know um 
So, you know, you could say that the Mariners were selling based off of trading a closer, but, you know, you do have a guy like Munoz waiting in the wings that throws 102 and has that nasty slider. And second base was a problem. You know, Colton Wong was not the answer. So uh, <laughs> it's tough to say who they would have won more with uh, based off of that trade. But, I mean, the Mariners went on that winning streak, so it's hard to hard to fault the guy for making the move. That's also a uh, tenth inning hero, Colton Wong, to you from last night. Yeah, no, 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 we don't, we don't. I mean, yes, but still, we're not going to call him that. <laughs> it's about time he did something this season for somebody. At least when Colton Wong is a hero, it is irrelevant, anyways. Right, <laughs> yeah. guys? I mean, the Dodgers <laughs> were going to win that division anyway. So, <laughs> way, way to go, Colton. <laughs> Got a sack so- fly. The AL West has been a wild division the last couple of months. And honestly, part of what has been crazy about the AL West has been the Los Angeles Angels and just how quickly they fell out of it, how they were right there middle of July. In fact, they were ahead of the Mariners middle of July. Mm -hmm. They were Mm -hmm. ahead of the Mariners end of July and the Angels bolstered big time at the deadline. Then we watched absolute fucking chaos descend upon the team. All of the guys they picked up, the first few weeks, they just shit the bed completely. Then they decided they were going to try and get under the luxury tax and put everybody on waivers. Um, Some guys got picked up. Some guys didn't. They didn't quite get under that luxury tax after all. Now we watched uh, Shohei Otani emptying his locker. And then for some strange reason, rather than just say, yeah, unfortunately injuries have hit, we're shutting them down. They're like, we'll let everyone know what's going on tomorrow, which only, of course, uh, exasperated everybody's negative feelings about how this Angels franchise is operated. Shohei Otani is officially out and we don't know if he's going to get Tommy John surgery or not, but let's put a positive spin on this angels disaster of a season. (laughs) I think Shohei's gone. Yeah. He's probably even going to go to the most offensive place on the planet to angels fans, the Dodgers. Uh... But there's a now that he's injured, there's a lot more, a lot more possibilities, I think, that are opening up here just as to what franchises are prepared to pay him what he wants and let him do what he wants, which is pitch and play in the field. This is a super long way of getting to the question of do you gentlemen feel that Shohei has done enough in 2023 to win an MVP despite the fact he's being shut down? With three gay three weeks to go, he's over fifty home runs, and was an outside shot. He's go he before he was shut down pitching wise was going to get some Cy Young votes, lower Cy Young votes, you know, third and fourth place votes, but votes nonetheless. Juan, I'm a yeah. I have I'm so many thoughts, Jordy. Oh, you sorry. go ahead because I have so many thoughts. Love it. All right. I will start off by saying it's a wild move to bring two Mariners fans on your podcast. Go, let's say some nice things about the Angels. <laughs> also, Shohei is not coming to Seattle, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bold move there. Very bold move. But 
uh, for the actual question itself, I think he's done enough. He still did play 135 games this year. And you look at the last couple MVPs in recent years, like 2019, that's about the same amount of games that Trout played to win. Uh, same goes for 2018 with Mookie. Same yep. amount of games. Uh, and you look at Shohei's stats from his MVP season in 2021. Once again, pretty similar counting stats right now with like 20 less games. I think the big issue is the fact when he missed those games, right? Like if he missed those games in June, we're not even having this conversation. Yeah. But the fact he's not finishing the season, I think it's going to kind of be a little bit of a penalty. But the other thing is, is the other two candidates right now, I'd say guys like Seager, even Julio Rodriguez got himself in the talk. I don't think they've done enough to negate the fact that he also pitched that Julio also pitched. So I think, uh, I think in that regard, I think he's done enough. I think he's got himself the MVP, in my opinion, anyway. Like Yandy Diaz, Juan, is is he really competition for Shohei in an MVP? Hey, you, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I, listen, he's had an incredible year. I just, I feel like you should let Jen fill Jen in and let her go okay, first. First of all, I might first go on of all, <laughs> yes. Hello, Jen. Thank Hi. you. For joining us, I know that you were busy uh, expanding young minds. So <laughs> uh, there, there have been some tech issues along the way, but I'm here. We're we're really glad that you can come in at the end of the episode. Here, we're talking Shohei Otani right now, and if he, despite the fact of being shut down with three weeks to go, should he still win MVP? Yes. Okay. I think that's does that the consensus. I mean. So far, quicker than my answer. <laughs> I he was having yet again just such an an incredible season. Um, you know, even with the the tour in UCL and being unable to pitch, he continued to hit and was still basically with one arm hitting home runs. Yeah, like. Who can do that, right? <laughs> who genuinely, who is capable of doing what he is able to do? And he was having an incredible season. It is such a shame that, uh, you know, right at the end of it all, an injury has, uh, yet another injury has had to shut him down. But, you know, you would have to, you would have to imagine that whatever compensation he's had to do for the arm in order to swing the bat maybe led to the oblique injury would be my guess. Right. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor clearly. Um, but that, that's just something that I would make an assumption on. And I know so that whenever I hurt my ankle, my knee always starts hurting the next day. You know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. <laughs> right. And you know, it's all connected. So I would assume the oblique injury is probably related to the fact that he's had to compensate while swinging the bat. And so if he's injured himself, still trying to contribute to his team in the way that one way that he can, I just don't see how he doesn't win MVP. And I know Jordy brought up a really good point, Jen, about the fact that if these, if he missed three weeks in June, no one would even be talking about this. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Juan. <laughs> I know you've got a play, bunch to say. Did you just check your play, watch before that? I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit uh, when it comes to the MVP conversation. And 
it's not so much what he did. It's more so what his organization did to let him down. Um, for me, if you're the most valuable player in the entire league, you, your team has to make the playoffs. Like you're not even playing in October, you know? So for me, that's where I struggle with uh, giving him his MVP after he already won one. You know, if, it, if this was the first season where he was doing what he's doing, it, it might be a little bit different, but he's done it already. And I, I want the MVP to be a guy that's going to take your team to the playoffs. You know, um, for me, you know, you can look at the two dudes in, in Texas, but you got two of them. So how do you determine who's more valuable than the other? So I think that kind of gives them a wash. Yandy Diaz is a good option for sure. He's he's raked the ball. And I don't I don't want to be a, a bit of a homer, but I think Julio has been more valuable to his team than any of these other guys because he is alone. Fair to say when you compare, you know, a guy like Seeger or Sammy into Tate Oscar whoever is second in line, you know, Teoscar is not that other guy. Um, I think Julio has been way more valuable uh, to the Mariners organization than Otani has, because I mean, at the end of the day, you play to win and the angels just have not done that. So for me, I, I just don't love giving the MVP to somebody who isn't going to play October baseball. That's just my take. I know there's a lot of people and a lot of conversations around whether that's the right take or not, but, you know, we play to win. So if you're not winning, then it's yeah. there almost has to be two separate categories in the sense that you can be the best player in the league, which I think we can probably agree Shohei is when he's yeah, no healthy, argument here for sure. Right? No argument there. <laughs> and it's not his fault that the team, the organization will not Fox. put a win, yeah, sucks. Okay, there we go. We're going to just <laughs> cut to the chase. <laughs> How did the right? Mariners fans not say that before Scott? <laughs> <laughs> like it is that is absolutely not his fault. He he, despite the lack of, um, uh, like it's got to be hard to put forth your A game every single day when your organization sucks. And there's no one else around you really to like help you win ball games. And you're still going out there and you are still doing everything you can to get your team a W regard, right? Like to me, that really takes a special person to be able to do it and do it with like a smile on his face and, and, and the whole nine yards. Right. Um, versus maybe like most important player. If yeah. that makes any sense, right? Like yeah, if you yeah, almost yeah. had like two separate categories, the most important player, because I I absolutely will agree. And, and I was thinking about this is that, you know, would the Mariners be in their current position if not for Julio Rodriguez? No. And what he did when they yes. went on their crazy little run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like he's like the most important player to the Mariners actually even being in the hunt still. And what's interesting yeah. about that is that he is, when you look at these wild card teams, he is the one dude that like, there isn't really a comparable on the blue Jays. Now the blue Jays thank their lucky stars that they're starting pitching to the last guy in their bullpen for the most part this year, knocking all the wood has literally been lights out. Like, and when they haven't, this team loses. So, they either win a really tight game 
or they get blown out. And and this is, I think, part of the reason why Jays fans get so down, even though this is a 90-win team, or it sure is shaping up to be, um, is that when they, they're either sweat, you're, we're sweating it out and just barely winning a game. And yeah, we're going to win a substantial amount of games that way. Or we go through a Texas series and we're just like, this is the worst team. <laughs> so yeah, the I fact think- that Julio Rodriguez, I, all I'm saying is I really do get your point, Juan, of like yeah. the value that Julio gives. He put that team yeah. on his back for, for what? A couple of there's weeks. There's not there. a lot of equivalents. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah, there's no disagreement that Otani is the best player in the universe right now. There's no arguments and hopefully he comes back healthy and, and, and shows up and gets the money that he deserves this off season because what he's doing is nobody's done it. Nobody's done what he, he does. Um, and I, and I think like, like everybody said here, I think we're all in agreement that the angels as an organization right now are, are pretty trash. And I think they did him a real disservice at the trade deadline this year. You know, he's Uh done so much for that organization and for them to, you know, fake go for it, in my opinion. And I remember saying that I didn't believe it when they went and traded for Giolito, in my opinion, Uh, they they should have traded Otani, you know, they could have started their rebuild because there was no way he was going to come back. Um, they They should have sent him to a contender, in my opinion. How ridiculous is that you're not even in the race and you got nothing in return for Shohei Otani? You lost prospects and then put these guys out. Like literally Cleveland, and thank you, Cleveland, uh, (laughs) for for taking care of the Rangers. Like Cleveland literally bolstered their lineup for free. They're just like, well, Thor didn't work out. We'll just grab Giolito and pay a couple bucks. Like You almost have to assume that they're mismanaging the team on purpose. For for some strange like whether it's a tax thing or like I'm not I'm just obviously I'm just yeah like what is all right like you didn't get anything for Otani and also you lost your second and third best prospect for nothing for no reason (laughs) and now your other franchise player is saying I'm open to being traded yeah I'm done with it I'm over it Uh, yeah Trout has done even more for that organization than Otani it's it's crazy he's got to go he's got to go somewhere else. I am enjoying watching it, though. I will add that. <laughs> I am having the time of my life right now with all this. So this has yeah. been a Mariners heavy episode because I've just been greatly outnumbered, Jen. So it's good to have you on board here. Uh, before we go to topics, we will we will turn our uh, attention back to the Jays because I do want your opinion on what is going on, Jen, which is basically uh, the mathematical probability of what just we watched over the last three days is almost a 0%. Literally everything that could have went the Jays' way went the Jays' way outside of Houston losing today or winning today to Kansas City. The Mariners are swept. The Blue Jays swept the Red Sox. The Guardians swept the Rangers. Like, it's absolutely mind-blowing to look at where the standings are now and a team that, Jen, last time we talked, or I, I'm I'm sorry, last time we talked was, I guess, in person, we were feeling good after that Kansas City series, but a lot has happened in a week. If you want to give your uh, breakdown of basically how you're feeling now, and as we look at the standings, and there's about 12 games left, are you starting the lane to I know you said weeks ago you were picking the Jays to miss the playoffs. Has that changed at all? So, first of all, I almost messaged you midweek to ask if I could come on the show and yell. <laughs> um, just yell 
about everything and just get it off my chest because I didn't feel like it was coming across on Twitter, even though I did <laughs> say enough. Yes. Even though I did say <laughs> that John Schneider demonstrated big loser energy, um, I still felt like it wasn't strong enough and I really just needed to get it out there. <laughs> and, uh, so yes, you almost got a message from me midweek, just so you know. Um, I don't know what to make of it because on the one hand, right? The Jays, I hate that the Jays are in the position where other teams have to lose in order for the Jays to get in. Based on predictions, and I mean, we can talk about this, we've talked about this all season, like they really shouldn't even be in this position. They should be relatively comfortable in a wild card spot. So I find that part of it. But when you look at, when you look at these three, or sorry, these three series, Okay, they swept Kansas City, but just as easily could have been swept, right? I mean, that Cole Reagans game, the only, right? Like falling apart is the only reason they won that game, for instance, right? I'll come back to the Texas series. The series against the Red Sox that they just swept, and good for them to figuring, to to get those wins. Like, good for them. A win is a win, but still... You know, uh, they won Saturday because of a rookie center fielder mistake, right? They would not have won that game yesterday. Um, Friday night, save for Vladdy being able to run into one and do what he should be doing all season, they wouldn't have won that game, probably, right? And so you still look at how they're sweeping these series and the problems of the pitchers needing to be perfect and the hitters not doing as much as they could or should is still a problem. I, I, I don't know what to say about the Texas. I think the thing that bugs me the most is how lackluster they looked. Like they just, they looked like a team that was dead in the water and had actually decided to just mail it in. Right. Um, listless lifeless like they weren't fighting for anything and I think that was why the comments from John Schneider saying we're not frustrated it's not a concern just really rubbed me the wrong way taking it as a whole I'm sorry this is a really long roundabout no no Taking, taking it as a whole right okay a win is a win is a win they all count the same regardless of how they come about other teams losing a loss is a loss is a loss. And it all adds up to who makes the playoffs right now. It does look like the Jays are in a pretty good position based on who all the other teams are playing. Not even necessarily who the Jays are playing. Cause I do think the Yankees and the Rays are going to be tough. Yes. Right. The Rays are still trying to overtake Baltimore. Like, I think they still think they have a shot at overtaking Baltimore. So I don't expect that race series to be particularly easy. Um, and and I think New York will want to just beat Toronto just because, just because, right? So Jen, I, think I'm curious. They're, I think they're, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just curious because he's like, you're going on about like, you know, Shana having that big loser energy and just the feeling and the aura around the team is not all that positive. Do you think that guys like Teoscar and Lourdes not being there with their high energy is affecting the team? This has been speculated on all season. 
I personally, I personally would like to think that grown men being paid millions of dollars, some of whom are still paying for their next contract, would be able to bring the energy all on their own, right? Like if I got paid what they got paid to go out and swing a bat and run around, and yes, I know there's high pressure, right? There's pr pressure to perform, but that's part of what's supposed to make you elite, right? Separate you from those maybe who don't make it to the show. I would like to think you could bring your own motivation and find your own energy. And so, you know, even if you're losing, you know, look like, you know, look frustrated. Like, and I'm not saying these guys need to throw stuff or anything like that. Right. Like, I don't mean it that way that it needs to break be an iPad loud. here and there. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> need to be loud and violent, and, but you've seen guys do it where at least, you know, like there is, there is, there is frustration going on there. There is an energy behind this. And, you know, you you can see it. That would be much more ex acceptable to me than just what we saw in that Texas series where it just looked like, woe is me kind of idea. And, I and, and, and you know, Teoscar and Lourdes were great for bringing the energy. I don't know that it was always necessarily the right type of energy mm. or in the right situations, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and there's so much to go. Like it was Yogi Bear that talked about how baseball is such a mental game, um, and I think like you can't really know what a guy's mentality is like in those situations until they're in those situations. And I think that does matter just as much as the physical attributes and the stats that you put up. Um, just being on teams and and the the vibes, you know, the vibes make a difference for sure. Um, and sometimes it's it's too wild, like like you said, you know, whether or not it was the right energy that those guys brought at certain times. Um, I don't disagree with that at all, but yeah, you never want to look into a dugout and think, Oh, that team doesn't really care. They're not showing like they want to win. Like there's still a lot that can happen, obviously in 12 games. I mean, nothing is decided yet. And that's one been one kind of crazy thing about this wildcards race is that, Nobody in the race has really done anything to bury the other teams. Like everyone just keeps letting everyone linger on and continue to go. But my God, this Boston series, there were so many po possible uh, letdowns where the Jays made mistakes and they could have just literally easily been like, oh, we let another one go. And there just seemed to be a little bit more sandpaper to this series than I have seen from this team. I mean, I just watched, we watched them just roll over with Texas, literally just roll over. It felt like, and to watch them hit obstacles and then still have the grit to overcome. I mean, the, the one that really stands out and yes, it was a mistake by the center fielder for the Red Sox in the ninth inning. But watching Varsho hit that triple, drive in Biggio, and just, I haven't seen that kind of energy out of the team almost all year. And I tweeted that. And that's that, not necessarily the excitement, because obviously that was a big moment. And yes. you're not going to be when you're not having those kinds of big moments. But the level of energy, right? Just seeing a guy showing some emotion. Mm -hmm. Just felt like it changed that entire game right there because they went on to win it, you know, and, and, and could have lost and, it. I mean, there was the moment in the 11th, right? Where they, yes. they went down. Yep. 
Yeah, and they went on to win that. And I and I I feel like, you know, that kind of carried them. I I'd like to think that they got so embarrassed in that Texas series that they came into the Red Sox series, like you said, with that little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. Like we that was embarrassing, and we absolutely cannot let that happen again because that felt awful. I was so down. I was just like, and and you know me, Jen, I've been the eternal optimist this entire season. I've been the one guy who is like, honestly, I and I still feel this way that the Jays are going to make the playoffs. And it's almost despite the fan base, like, you know, like it, it it's not going to be pretty. They're going to get there in ways that we don't even like I, I, I can't even wrap my head around what my anxiety levels are going to be over the next 12 games. But to finally see some just grit, I don't know. It's the most optimistic I've been in a while after that Texas series where I was just like, this team has given up. That's what it felt like. Okay, um, let's wrap things up here with our topics, Jordy. So we do this every single long toss where we get our guests to bring a topic to the table. And it can be baseball, Blue Jays, life, whatever it may be. There are no parameters. Uh, Jordy, what do you got for us today, bud? Okay, so this one was inspired by something that happened on the Mariners off day. I don't know how much... Uh, how in-depth you follow the players on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, Teoscar Hernandez's likes got scrolled through, and there was a picture of a a nude that one girl posted of herself from like three years ago, and he had just liked it. And so that was the hot topic of the day in the Mariners community. And so that got me to wondering, uh, for you guys, what is your favorite player's social media moment? doesn't have to be a bad thing, can be just a joke that a player made online or something uh, for myself. I think my favorite of all time is almost any Brandon McCarthy tweets uh, back when he was in his prime. But my favorite is after he got the ball to the head and he tweeted out for like the first time in a week and a half, if leaving the hospital isn't the time to ask my wife for a threesome, I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> so that's my personal pick, but I'm just curious what your guys would be. <laughs> I love that. And then he can blame it on the concussion. I don't know, babe. I'm not thinking right. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't, I don't do social media. I, I, I really like this topic. My IG. I, I got okay. nothing here. Uh, one of my favorites that I saw, and this was a more uh, recent one. This was at the beginning of the year. There was uh, some guys on Twitter that follow the prospects of the Blue Jays and kind of report on the Canadians and the Fisher Cats and the Bisons. And one of them was like, there's nobody really within the system that we could see come up and pitch in the majors this year, maybe one or two. And then one of the responses was Ricky Tiedemann and his response was, I am the one. And I just thought that was kind of, I just thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, I don't remember the year. I'm actually trying to look for it now. I don't remember what year it was. Um, but I guess it, it had looked like the Red Sox were, were pretty much out of it. And they ended up, I guess, in the last couple of weeks of the season, making the postseason. And Dustin Pedroia's wife, I think, had booked like a vacation or something like that, um, thinking that they weren't going to make the playoffs. 
And so Dustin Pedroia either, I don't know if he tweeted it or if he said it in the media. And then of course it was tweeted out basically. Uh, well, I won't, I won't throw my wife under the bus, but I'll gently roll her under it. <laughs> I will say I, I don't, it wasn't social media, but uh, anything that Munenori Kawasaki said in a post-game interview for anything, <laughs> you think anything that man said, and that, that would be my pick. Those uh that interview, the monkeys never cramp, that yeah. makes yeah. its rounds on Instagram like every three months, and there's people who see it for the first time. Yeah. And it's just and it never gets old. Like I watch the full thing every time it pops up on my feed. That's that was why he eats bananas or something, the potassium. Was that what it was? Yeah. 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 Monkeys yeah. never cramp. Monkey yeah. never cramps. Yeah. They eat bananas. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching Munenori Kawasaki's post-game interview when he had the the Bush party uh, party, outburst or whatever, right? I'm going to a Bush party or whatever. Like, just what an interesting dude. Like, I love that he spent the time to learn certain words in English and was like, oh, man, people are going to love when I scream this out. (laughs) Do we know what do we know what's ever become of him? Like, did he ever go play? back in Japan or did he just fade away? I, I'm just curious if, if we know what happened to him. I don't. I don't. I know he after had a he podcast. I, I didn't hear much about him after that. He had a podcast in Japan with um, another big, it was a Japanese pitcher. Oh, I wish I could remember, but uh some of the stories they were telling, it was like, of course, you know, I don't speak Japanese. So I was reading the translating, the scrolling words or whatever there. And uh, it was super interesting, but I don't know what he, if he's still involved in baseball or coaching or anything like that in Japan or what's going on. But yeah, if there's, if there's ground crew I... members out there who want to do the research for us, drop it in the comments. <laughs> what's, what's Munenori Kawasaki up to? I'll admit, right like now. I I haven't, I haven't thought about him in a really long time, to be honest. Yeah. So now that you've brought him up, I'm like, oh yeah, he was like a really big part of the team in terms of just being like a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like he's playing back in Japan in one or two leagues below the NPB. Okay. The Baseball Challenge League in Japan. Interesting. For the love of the game. For the love yeah. of the game. And he loved the game. He really yeah. did love the game. He was a fun dude. I don't think dude. anyone can argue that one. <laughs> okay. Great topic, by the way, Jordy. Um, okay. Uh, Juan, what's your topic for us, bud? Yeah, September 15th marked uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. And obviously, the Hispanic community is a big part of baseball. Uh, So my question to you guys is, how do you feel about recent uh, conversations around Roberto Clemente's number being retired much in the way that Jackie Robinson's was? Strongly How against they it. How could they? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that's my take? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's well beyond time. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. I don't, I can't think of a good reason to not retire his number. Uh, what he did for the Hispanic community and the black community in baseball is still under touted, I think, in general. 
there's not enough credit given his way for what he's done for the game in general. You know, like those those Pirates teams that he was a part of really helped move the needle when it comes to acceptance of black and Hispanic players being and acting however they want, right? Like being given the same sort of leeway in certain scenarios. Whereas Jackie Robinson, I mean, the whole reason he was chosen was very much that, you know, he took his lumps. He wasn't overly vocal. And and that was not the case with Roberto Clemente and, and that, that Pirates team in general. And I think giving a little bit more credit to what he has done for the game in general would be, would be great. Cause you, you witnessed it firsthand during the day, like all of the Hispanic players, like he's a, he's a hero and he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all wear his number uh, during the weekend too. All the Puerto Rican players are sporting his number, which something that only Jackie Robinson is the only other person to do that. Mm-hmm. And his award is a huge honor. All the players who are nominated for it, that's the one that they brag about, you know? Like, I don't see... I also don't see a reason why they wouldn't. Because, yeah, the the guy was one of the greatest right fielders, if not the greatest right fielder of all time. And what people know him most for is what he did off the field. It's a very rare thing for an athlete to have a reputation like that, even though they were so dominant during the game. So I think it's something that should have already been done already as well. You ever want to go down a rabbit hole, by the way, Uh, if you want to just type in Roberto Clemente cannon into YouTube, there are like, it's literally like his arm was insane. And they've got like, you know, just 10 minute montages of just him, just firing guys out at home. It's awesome. <laughs> I I agree with everything that's been said here. You know, I think there are, you know, very few guys who come along who, you know, the, the narrative around them is so much broader than just, you know, how, how they performed as a player. Right. And and the impact that they were able to have on baseball, on the community, and the fact that that um, that impact still echoes today. Why would you not honor a player like that by retiring their number? I love it. I love all those answers. And uh, yeah, that was cool. Thank you, guys. Couldn't agree more. Okay, Uh, Jen, what do you got for us today? I, I will admit I struggled to come up with topics today and part of it just had to do with a lot of uh, a lot of things I was trying to get done through the day. Um, so put your fandom aside, okay? Put, put your team that you are a fan of aside. Let's just assume, there you go, just assume that they are not going to win the World Series. Who do you want to win the World Series if it can't be your team? to win the world series who would you like to see win it all if it can't be your team who would you be like yes good for them i have cincinnati been Reds. for cincinnati ever since yes. they called up ellie de la cruz i love the guy i love watching him and if they can somehow which it's a long shot but if they can somehow beat Atlanta with just this young, exciting team, that would be one of my favorite postseasons, maybe since 2011. 
Yeah, I got to go Cincinnati Reds too. I have uh, some some personal connections to the Reds. Uh, obviously, Votto being you know one of those great Canadian players, uh, and and you know a lifelong Red. You know, it's the only player he's uh, or the only team he's ever played with. Uh, the other thing with them too, through the hard times too. Through the hard times, yeah, he never and he's always been a, a good sport and a good character guy. Um, the other thing too, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, was those yo-yo players. But uh, Alejo Lopez has been up and down. Uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and he actually lived with my family when he was like 15 years old playing baseball up in Canada. And so my family billeted Alejo. And uh, so I would love for him to get a ring because uh, good good guy, good kid. And uh, yeah, there's that that personal connection. So if if it's not the Mariners, then I would I would choose Reds. And then behind that, the Blue Jays because that's Canada's team. So... I have to leave the AL because there are too many biases there. There's literally, you know what? And it's so funny because the amount of people that with this young, exciting Baltimore team say things to me, like, how can you not love Baltimore? Well, guess what? I hate them. I don't even give a shit. I'm already on the hate Baltimore bandwagon. Adley Rushman and the boys. They're too good. I don't like them. I don't like them. (laughs) but uh i'm an underdog fan so i would love to see the milwaukee brewers if i had to pick a team i love that the brewers year in and year out go out of their way to bolster their team with baseball players and when i say that i just mean that it's really easy in today's baseball to do the numbers look at the analytics and be like, you know what, for the amount of money we would pay to go out and get a guy with a, a track record, we could just call up a guy from AAA. And yeah, there's going to be some bumps and bruises, but the numbers are going to be pretty close. But in my opinion, that's not how you win. You win with guys who have the experience, have been there and done that. And the Milwaukee Brewers always find creative ways to bring in ball players, bring in guys who have been there and done that. And they are a small market team. So I would love to see the Brewers if, and this is obviously if the Toronto Blue Jays don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to uh, to add on to Scott's, one thing that I always feel bad for is when you have siblings playing in the majors and one of them has a ring and the other doesn't. So I'd be fine for that for William Contreras to get one and just enjoy family suppers a little more when he doesn't have to look <laughs> at his brother's <laughs> ring. <laughs> Those are those are good answers. Those are good answers. Since Cincinnati, I feel like everybody could get on board with, right? Like regardless of what your fan base is, how could you not enjoy, you know, Cincinnati going on a bit of a run? Like yeah, who's not likely. a fan of Joey Votto, right? Who doesn't enjoy Joey Votto? And then, as you said, Ellie De La Cruz and and the excitement, you know, that'd be one heck of a series. Um, uh, and, and and I know I know people don't like me for this, and that's fine. I I would be fine with Baltimore. I just like what they've done. I know I know I shouldn't say that I would be happy with a team within the AL East winning. I understand <laughs> this makes me a very unpopular person. Sometimes it's fine, um, but again, you just look at how awful they were and how quickly they came back to form. I just have to admire it. I really do. The fact that they last year kind of made a bit of a run for the postseason and fell short, but for a quite some time they were in it and should not have been. I just I'm impressed by that. I agree. And at least you didn't say Houston. 
<laughs> anybody but, anybody but you. <laughs> I think that's the one thing we can all agree on for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> okay, we'll end on this. My topic is the worst contracts in sports history. Uh, Albert Pujols, three lowest games played totals in an Angels uniform, and this excludes excluding the COVID season. Uh, 99 games in 2013, 117 in 2018, 131 in 2019. Anthony Rendon's last three years under contract in Anaheim, 58 games in 21, 47 in 22, 43 in 23. Anthony Rendon contract seven years 245 million dollars albert Pujols, 10 years 240 million dollars it's not even close obviously rendon's contract uh horrible in comparison go ahead and I can, uh i can do have, one better if you have a worse contract in mind or just want to add on to uh your thoughts on the rendon contract uh here's the floor go ahead Juan. Yeah. you can start us off yeah, Steven Strasburg's contract is garbage. Oh. <laughs> that one's the worst for sure. That dude made like a million dollars an inning pitched. Yeah. And I mean, that was kind of a thank you contract, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. It was like, thank you so much for getting us that ring. Here's your money to stick around, I guess. And not to insure it for a guy who's got an injury history either. Crazy. And that, that's on the organization. That's not on oh, Strasburg. Big time. He, yeah. he earned that contract. Like he pitched yeah. and performed to earn that contract. But man, the return on investment is bad on that one. I mean, it's up there with Patrick Corbin. <laughs> yeah. At least he's pitching. At least he's pitching, I guess, is, to a I mean, five maybe ERA. Not a good thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be mine at Strasburg's. Uh, yeah, him or Rendon, if you're looking at the length of the contract and the amount of money involved, though they're right up there. This is a much lesser contract at this point. But any team that continues to employ Josh Donaldson yeah. um, <laughs> is just I, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic behind thinking you're going to get anything out of him. Yeah. He's uh, in Milwaukee now, right? Yeah, he, he actually... is. Yeah. He, is. he actually hit a home run in his first, his first, he has more home runs this year than he has singles. It's wild. It's crazy. <laughs> I think, I think Schwarber is in the same boat with more. <laughs> yeah, home but at least Schwarber close. has, at least Schwarber has 40 singles, you know? <laughs> uh, for mine, I want to keep the angel bashing alive. Okay. Uh, so I'll go, I'll say one Josh Hamilton. Mm. Uh, that was a bad one, but I'll also, Horrible. I'm going to, cause you said sports and I yep. will bring in, uh, Rick DiPietro of the New York Islanders because his contract was so bad. The NHL had to change the rules on how they <laughs> gave out contracts. <laughs> yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. It, it's bad when the entire league is like, okay, we should make a, yeah, we should like, make a okay, change. Maybe we gave the players too many rights when it came to negotiate. We're going to have to reel it in. Okay. Mine's Rendon. I just can't get over that contract in general. Uh, my big problem with the Anthony Rendon contract isn't even the money or the term. It's that the angels were the team. Yeah. Why? I also think like, I also think it with made Anthony no Rendon, sense like, at the time. 
before they signed him, Rendon came out and was like, I don't even really like playing baseball. And it showed red flag, since he's been in LA. Red flag. <laughs> like, like He has been maybe the worst human being in professional oh, sports. That's the other thing. The when did that's he say that? Thing. He doesn't speak English. He's How just been a shithead. Like, that's the thing. It's not it's even like it. Oh my god. But this Sorry, goes back to the... my point about the angels and the mismanagement of the team, and it almost feels so like bad. it's on purpose. It's yes. so bad. How does one organization do so many terrible things? It's awful. It's, it's awful. It's not the awful. worst person in sports. Obviously, there no. are some major yeah. issues, but like, man, that yeah. was just stupid. Yeah. Okay, we will wrap it up there. Thank you so very much to you three for joining us. Jen, I know you were come uh, coming in late, but you came in hot. It was good. You really uh, <laughs> bolstered this episode. Uh, for those people out there trying to follow you and get some of that uh, great baseball juice out of that brain of yours, uh, Twitter, what's your handle? It is at baseball underscore Jen, and that's Jen with two N's. Juan, welcome to the walk-off family, by the way. Both you and Jordy, we're thrilled to have the walk-off Mariners as a part of the uh, brand. And so for everyone who is looking, your their site is attached to our page on youtube and if it's not it's going to be shortly uh in the meantime where would they find the walk-off mariners and when can they watch you guys yeah literally that the walk-off mariners uh yeah walk-off mariners on youtube we'll get the ball rolling with everything get it connected uh we record every sunday so we can recap the week and uh it'll come out either later that day or monday uh still trying to work out the editing details but Look for it. Look for it Monday just to be safe. You know, give us that 24 hour window to, to record and then and then get it up. But uh, yeah, just the walk off Mariners. Uh, you guys can find us attached to uh, Scott's walk off page. Obviously, we're really excited to uh, have this opportunity. Thank you to, to Scott and Adam and, and the walk off team. And um, we're just we're thrilled to have baseball. you boys on board. Uh, we're all buds, by the way. Uh, Juan and Jordy, also a couple comedians, so we're keeping it in the comedy family with the uh, baseball podcast, uh, the Walk Off Mariners. Check it out, everybody! Thanks so much. Cheers! Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack, with a new episode every Friday. Oh! Thanks for listening.